Amen. Amen. Good to see you all. This morning, great to worship together, as always. I, uh, it's maybe not a good start to say this, but I really hope that I don't offend anybody this morning. <laughs> um, only, it was, I don't know if I've ever, on a Sunday morning, uh, I can't remember when Sunday morning fell on the 31st of October before. Um, I certainly don't recall ever uh, sort of acknowledging this season on the, on our Sunday morning reflections, time together. Um, but I do want to talk about it. I, I'm not sure the feelings in the room. I'm hoping. I think we are, I say this is a good thing, I think we are sort of a middle-of-the-road bunch. Um uh, but when it comes to Halloween, I'm not sure if there's extremes on one side or the other. Um, and so whenever th- whenever there is extremes on one side or the other, my my temptation, what I like to do is sort of bury my head in the sand and like find, because uh, I'm such a people pleaser, like the thought of there being two different polarized opinions on anything freaks me out. Um, but just some, th- just some thoughts... Uh, that uh, that I wanted to share this morning. Felt like I didn't want to. Felt like I didn't want to in some ways. But then if my readings, and I don't. I'm not always dictated to by where I uh, find myself in my Bible reading plan. But this week I found myself uh, in Romans chapter 14 and also in First Corinthians chapter 8. And so based on that, which we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, I thought it would be important for us to to reflect on this season, but it's bigger than that. What I want to talk about, it's bigger than just Halloween, or it's bigger than um, just this one-off event. I, uh, I'm back around in this cycle. For those that <coughs> know me, hear me talk a bit, then you'll know that every so often I find myself back in the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. And um, <clears throat> in our time together, praying and seeking the Lord at the castle on Friday morning, um, it's what I wanted us, for those of us that were part of that time, to reflect on John 17, this prayer that Jesus prayed. What, were the, what are the final words? Again, forgive me if you've heard me saying this over and over before. What were the final words that Jesus wanted us to hear What were the final words that he wanted to articulate to the Father before he was arrested and ultimately gave his life on the cross? Uh, The final words were were around unity. And whenever the words that Jesus prayed, and especially it's concerning us in verses 20 to 26, um, are around the, the idea of unity, the importance of unity. See, unity is not just uh, not just one one thing, but it was the only thing that Jesus prayed about for his future disciples, and that's us. If you said yes to Jesus, you are one of these future disciples that Jesus was praying for, and unity was not just one thing, but it was the only thing he prayed for for us. And so. When it comes to controversial issues or potentially divisive ones, um, 
I want to always ground myself in the prayer of Jesus. In our, in our prayer meeting this, on, on Friday morning, I couldn't help but think that we, we come with all of the stuff that we want Jesus to answer. Come with all of the needs, all of the sicknesses, all of the things that are going on in our circumstances, in our communities, in our world. And we're praying, Jesus, would you answer them? Would you answer this for us? Would you answer this as we, on our behalf? And, um, and it feels to me, the more I go back into John 17, it's, it feels like Jesus is saying, well, would you answer mine? Because <laughs> um, this is the great unanswered prayer. I can't remember who said it. One of, the, one of those incredible authors who's been and gone, I think, said that referenced this as the great unanswered prayer of Jesus. And so we have the chance, we have the opportunity, and I think he would ask us that question, could you be the answer to mine, is what it feels like whenever I go back into John 17. But what frustrates me, what frustrates me about myself, and what frustrates me about the church sometimes, is that it feels like we almost go out of our way to divide. It feels like sometimes, especially based on our social media, sometimes it feels like we're going out of our way just to try and rile people up, just to try and uh, make an opinion or a statement that we know is potentially potentially harmful, potentially divisive. And so again, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to point at one person or one train of thought, but as I engage in social media and dip in and out of some conversations, it feels like that's what we do with Halloween. Maybe you have real, maybe you're really passionate about this. Maybe there is, it's, you're not going out of your way. You just hold the certain things around this season and that is fine, which we will, which we will get to. But it's, when, but it's whenever it feels like it's going out of the way and I feel like there's times I'm self-aware enough to know that I am actually going out of my way here to provoke. <laughs> I'm going out of my way to be divisive and it's, it's unhealthy, it's... At best, it's unhealthy. At worst, it's just ugly. I suppose when it comes to Halloween, like and like any season, I suppose any divisive issue, I think there is three ways. We participate. We just fully embrace, fully engage, fully involve ourselves in Halloween. Or we reject it altogether. We have nothing to do with it. We shut the blinds. We close our doors. There is nothing that we are participating in. You could go either one of those ways. And I hope this morning, if that's if you find yourself in either one of those places, like don't be feeling any sense of my, my criticism or anything like that. But I just wonder: could we consider together? Is that is there a third option? Is there a way to redeem? Is there a way to redeem this season? And I think we could think about this. I'd love us to think big, bigger than just this, this one-off event. But could we think bigger? The things that we could potentially participate in or reject. Is there a third way that we redeem? That we be light, to be light in the darkness. And so there's absolutely no getting away from it. There's like, I don't know if, if anybody's done any, uh, any deeper dive into this Halloween the idea of Halloween, please come up and, and help me out here. But I don't think there's any doubt that it started as a pagan festival 2,000 years ago, in and around that. It was a, it was a pagan festival. Its origins are, are pagan. 
so we're like we're not doubting that we're not denying that um but what i love about the history of the church and i know that the church has got things wrong but what the things what i love about the church and if we go right back to the early church we go right back to church history we do have a history of redeeming rather than rejecting we have a history of redeeming rather than rejecting those traditions that grew out of non-christian cultures so that's our history so we're not we're not denying the fact that this was this origins were pagan culture were really unhelpful were really destructive but i want us to be encouraged by the history of the church that redeems rather than rejects even when it's grown out traditions that have grown out of non-christian cultures and so i'm grateful this is not a new idea that i'm talking about this morning there the idea of redemption has already been applied to this season the idea of redemption has already been applied to halloween and so again my history isn't good enough but if we were to go back probably to the early church fathers fourth fifth sixth century we could we could find the moment where this uh, this idea of redemption had been applied sam samhain or something like that was the name of this pagan festival which was converted fourth fifth or sixth century uh, to become a christian celebration of all saints day so all saints day i don't know if you're familiar with it you've heard it it's a term that you've heard in and around this season but that was part of the 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 church the early church's desire to redeem rather than to reject and dismiss entirely and so this christian celebration of all saints day became a really important part of the church calendar and so to, to just to simplify it as <clears throat> as best as i can for my own benefit hopefully as much as for yours it was to simply to commemorate god's work in the lives of his people so if you hear nothing else from me today what i would encourage you to do maybe this would become a uh, one of your practices around this season that you would commemorate the life the lives of one of god's people commemorate what he has done in the lives of his people and so i would commend to you someone like mother Teresa or francis of assisi or hudson taylor or somebody like that and commemorate and honor and celebrate the work of god in the lives of his people that's that's how the tradition that's how this uh, this non-christian tradition this non-christian culture was redeemed by the early church and i wonder could we still do the same and um and i think it's worth being really honest here like there is lots of traditions that we could trace uh, the historic roots we could trace the practice of them right back things like music um discovered this week even handshakes like the culture around the practice of handshakes were was around distrust and uh and trying to see what was in the, the other person's hand that that's where that's maybe it's a silly example but it's a it was a practice who's that's roots were based around distrust it was around um fear and all of that 
But now we, we do it without even thinking. It's a practice that's been redeemed. Um, and probably none more so than, than Christmas and Easter. And so if we're going to be really honest, we have to say that these were, and maybe you don't know this, but I think it's good for us all to know that these were, and I hope it doesn't spoil the season for you, but they were originally holidays to honor pagan deities, to honor pagan gods. Originally, Christmas and Easter were to honor pagan deities, pagan gods. And thank you, Jesus. Thanks to the church and to this history that we have of redeeming rather than outright rejecting, they found a way, the early Christians found a way to redeem. Instead of just what is an option to us, we can get rid of it entirely, we can crush it, we can have nothing to do with it, or we can follow in the pattern of the early Christians and the, the, the history of the early church. Instead of trying to get rid of them or trying to crush them, we instead do what the church has done for years and centuries, give them new meaning. And so I hope this doesn't annoy you. I, I, I sort of, maybe it is cheeky to say this, but if you object to, and, and, and this, is, this is what I'm, like I'm challenging myself with this, so this is really from a place of self-reflection. If, if you object to, which you like, you've every right to, to costume wearing or to trick-or-treating or to carving pumpkins then i want to suggest to you that you should also be expected not to decorate easter eggs and not to have a christmas tree it's really cheeky i feel really cheeky saying that but like uh, i'm like uh, only because i've only because i've done this with myself do i feel like i have permission to sort of wrestle this out with you because i just want i just want to be as like wrestle with the scriptures, wrestle with church history, wrestle with all of this with as much integrity and honesty as possible. And so rather than getting too bogged down with this, I would love us to just for a few moments here reflect on uh, a few of the scriptures that I've referenced at the beginning. 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14. And so what, I, what I've loved about finding myself in both of these uh, passages over the last week has been just acknowledging and reminding myself that Paul was no stranger to addressing controversial and potentially divisive issues. He was no stranger to it. And so let's see what, what he has to say. And so he's not, he's not addressing Halloween or Christmas or Easter or pagan festivals or anything like that, but he's addressing incre incredibly divisive issues around, around food and around idols, around what's acceptable to eat and stuff like that. And so not, like, there's, no, there's not a big pile I want to say because I think what Paul says here is, is, is such a gift to us as we think about not just Halloween but all of those bigger things that we become can become so uh, that can so easily divide us the same way that they were doing to the early church like if you want to go to a place where a church was divided um and and each camp was convinced 100% convinced that they were right 100% convinced that they were being biblical then uh, go to Corinthians they seem to be like divided and extreme extremes on either side 
on almost everything. And so I would encourage you today that if any of this is catching your attention, that you would read through 1 Corinthians 8 uh, or Romans chapter 14. Um, but I'd love, I'd love you to hear this language, how Eugene Peterson translates this, or paraphrases this in the message. And this almost feels enough to me. As a challenge, as a way to behave, as a way to engage with fellow believers. This is what uh, Romans 14 verses 1 to 4 says in the message. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way that you do. And don't jump over, don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, I love this, remember they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might well be convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume that he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they fell to criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. I find that so powerful, honestly. Because I think about it with like so many other divisive issues that I am so tempted to throw my two cents worth in. But I come to this passage, I come to what Paul is saying to the church in Rome. And he's wanting us to hear that everybody has their own reasons. Everybody has their own history. Everybody is coming to this with their own agenda, their own background. And that's normal. That's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember that you're both guests at Christ's table. You don't, you don't come to it criticizing what the others eat or don't eat. Or, or criticize what others find acceptable and you don't. And there's so many different things that we can apply to the challenge that Paul gives us in uh, Romans 14 and in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 8. I encourage you to go back and go back and read it. And there's there's two or three things that I'd love to uh, wrap this up with, um, based on these verses in um, Paul's letters. Paul is speaking about in First Corinthians eight about food that has been sacrificed to idols. And there's some people that have no problem with it. And there's some people who do. And they're hurling their Bible verses and they're hurling their insults back and forth to one another. What I think that Paul would be saying and would want, would want us to hear is that the original use of something does not make it wrong to participate in. And I know this is... this. Like these thoughts or these points require 
wisdom and discernment. But I think Paul has given us permission to, to, to make this point that the original use of something does not automatically make it wrong to participate in. And that's this whole idea of redemption. The whole idea of redemption is that even though all of these things, their, their original use and possibly their original intention, uh, there is something about the history of the church and being part, having the wisdom of Christ uh, as within the body of Christ that is able to redeem. But I think again, as, as we've alluded to in the verses that we've read in, first, in Romans 14, and you'll also see it in 1 Corinthians 8, if your conscience is not clear, don't feel forced, don't feel any need to participate in it. And so even if you hear me this morning saying that there is a way to redeem this season, there's a way to redeem some of the practices that are part of the customs of this, this time of the year, and your conscience is still not clear, do not feel forced, do not feel in any way that you should still, that you can now participate in it based on where I am probably leaning. If your conscience is not clear, and again, if it's not, if not just this issue that we're talking about today, any issue, if your conscience is not clear, don't feel forced to participate. On the other side of the coin, if you feel free to participate, if you feel that there's nothing wrong, if you feel you can eat whatever meat that you want in Paul's day, or if you feel that you can carve pumpkins till your wrists are sore, then what I would encourage you is that you don't flaunt it. You don't, if you know that it's divisive, if you know that there's people that uh, don't fully understand or don't fully agree, like, don't go around flaunting that. That's, I think, what Paul is trying to encourage the church in Corinth and the church in Rome. Just because this is not a thing that annoys you, don't go forcing it into people's vision or social media feed or whatever it is. Again, requires wisdom, requires discernment. But what I would what I think is more important than anything is that regardless of opinion, that no believer should harshly judge those with whom we disagree. Regardless of opinion, no believer, no follower of Jesus should harshly judge those with whom they disagree. And this would take me on to a tangent that we aren't going to go on this morning. But I am desperate that the church the followers of Jesus find a way to disagree so much better than we currently do. That I really want it for myself. I really want it as the church that we would find a way to disagree better. There's moments whenever I there's moments where I feel like that that when I'm in that env that environment, I feel like it is sacred. I cannot help but feel like it is divine. So two Fridays ago, two or three Fridays ago, I sat uh, in the bar area with every church leader that is part of this area. And to just, to just even to acknowledge as part of our conversations that there's stuff that we don't agree on and continue to find ways of 
loving and serving one another and serving this community well, for me, felt like just such a holy moment. It felt like that's like this is this must be what it feels like to be as close to Jesus and as Jesus-centered as possible, and um. And so I'm I'm just desperate that we find a way that the church would find a way to disagree so much better. And so I'm not wanting to like if you have like if you have a position, like hold that. That's like don't hear me saying that you don't have to hold that but please hear this do not do not harshly judge those with whom you disagree that maybe see it differently that maybe are passionate about redeeming the season so i know what that would look like i see today that because it's sunday there's some there's majority of our community seem to have done all their trick-or-treating yesterday but maybe there's just a chance for you to redeem this season and open your door. Maybe that will be difficult for you. Maybe difficult, difficult for some because you're just like, you want to close the doors and keep people out. You're not acknowledging this season and that's, that's okay. But maybe, maybe you could open the door and just like be a, like a really smiley, happy, Jesus-y neighbor to the kids. And maybe the moment's gone. Maybe it's not going to happen tonight. Uh, there's still something within the religious mindset of this county anyway that's like no notion of Jesus but in some ways but we're, there's no way we're trick-or-treating on a Sunday that's just not happening um but maybe there's just ways of maybe like you could be the one you could uh, from here on out you could be the person that has the best sweet selection in the whole of your neighborhood that would be an amazing way because I think some people I know that they give out they give out gospel tracts as they're given uh, their sweets, and that is their way to redeem, and and that is good, and I celebrate that. But you, if you're, I think if you're going to do that, you better make sure that you're that you're the sweets that you're given are pretty good. Um, you don't want to be given a track with rubbish sweeties. That's like that would be a big no-no. Um, and again, other ways of redeeming. I I. Um, Judas Boss, I was watching her social media on, on Facebook yesterday and her whole, whole street out um, setting off fireworks just as their own little community in a way that they've got to know their neighbours and, and, uh, and love their neighbours and all of that that I think is a wonderful way to redeem, to redeem this season. Um, Again, let me just finish with this. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So I want to suggest that the only power that darkness has is the space granted to it by an absence of light. The only power that darkness has is the space that is granted to it by an absence of light. So we are the light city on a hill. Let's not, let's not 
So whatever your feelings and your thoughts around this season, whatever they are, don't hide your light under a lampstand or a bushel or whatever it is. Um, let it shine because when the light comes uh, into our village, into your neighborhood, into your home, when the light comes, darkness darkness retreats that's just that's not just a nice a nice saying it's fact when the light comes darkness retreats when the light comes darkness is defeated and so the only the only power that darkness has is in the space that is granted to it by an absence of light so my encouragement to us is and hopefully some sort of challenge in there this morning is that we would in those places that darkness is created, whether it's this particular festival or the season, or whether it's the darkness of, of the last couple of years, darkness of loneliness, the darkness, darkness of financial concerns, whatever that is, the only power that it ha darkness has is whenever light is absent. And so I'd love it that today and over the next couple of days that we just be really present as the light of Jesus in our homes and our streets and communities. So, um, yeah. Father, thank you for, again, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him was life. Thank you that in you, Jesus, everything's been created. Everything is held together by you. Um, all things created by you and for you and so Jesus, we, we know and acknowledge that uh, there is traditions and there is ways and there's patterns that have been um, dominated by the darkness. But God, we choose to believe that there is a way for us to to redeem. There is a way for us to to be Jesus, to shine the light of the goodness and the kindness and the love of Jesus into those spaces of darkness that are around us. So Father, I pray that you would um, encourage us today, but I pray that we would be a people that, that see the good in our brothers and sisters practice God our first place would be um, to love and honor and even when we still disagree that we do it well Jesus help us who's so conscious of the need for your wisdom and your guidance and God for whatever uh, whatever street whatever estate whatever community we represent today and the potential for darkness to grip the lives and the homes of people within that place, those places. God, we see our calling and our responsibility to shine the light of hope, shine the light of goodness into those spaces of darkness so help us jesus help us i pray 
would shine our light. We'd let the whole world see that we're living for the glory of the risen King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Enjoy your day.